there's a revolution happening in Ukraine. I'm not just talking about the people rising up to fight Russian aggression. I'm talking about a revolution in audio technology for filmmakers from a company called Respeacher. Most recently used to create the voice of a young Luke Skywalker for the second season of The Mandalorian, Respeacher's voice synthesis technology has already won two Emmy Awards and promises to radically change audio and editing post-production. Today, from Western Ukraine, we're speaking with Alex Serduk, CEO of Respeacher. We had planned this interview before the war broke out, and in spite of me thinking it would be best for us to reschedule, Alex insisted we carry on. He explains his reasons why in our talk. Okay, Alex, thank you so much for being here uh, and taking the time. I, I, I know this is a very difficult time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. First off, of course, is how are you doing? Are, are you and your team safe? Uh, I mean, you cannot apply a word safe to Ukrainians who are in Ukraine right now, but we are in more or less safe regions of Ukraine. Uh, but some some team members are still in Kyiv, uh, and yeah, that's that's worrisome. Are you yourself working for Kyiv, or are you working uh, remotely? I'm working from Western Ukraine, so the the night we heard those bombings and missile attacks, I took my wife and kid, and we hit the road, and we moved to the Western Ukraine. Um, and just two days ago, I brought my family to the border, so they are in Europe right now. It was a hard moment for me personally, but now it's it's better because I can be more focused on work and doing something we are best at. Yes, and you and you had emailed me and told me, you know, because I wanted to, you know, put the interview on hold because of the uh, situation. But you you felt it was very important that we went ahead and, and did the interview. Can you explain to uh, the audience why you felt that? Of course. I mean, uh, we all have three jobs in Ukraine right now. And first job would be keep doing what we used to do as a business, if you have a business, because you're a part of economy. And once Ukraine wins the war, when Ukraine wins the war, we would need to sustain our economy. Uh, and we keep our business growing. We had a very small disruption for just a day uh, with uh, our operations. And then we put everything on rails. And two other jobs we have right now is helping our relatives, helping people around uh, with all those issues they're facing, as well as helping our, our country uh, to whatever extent we can. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, actually that day when the missiles hit Kyiv and many other cities. Uh, we delivered uh, some final conversions for one, maybe one of the biggest Hollywood TV shows we are part of this this quarter. Wow, that's so impressive. So let's talk about Respeacher. For the people in the audience who are not familiar with it, can you give us your uh, quick elevator pitch of what the product is? Of course, in simple words, Respeacher enables a human speaking the voice of another particular human. So it's a speech-to-speech -speech voice cloning technology that preserves all the performance from a real person and digitally replaces vocal timbre. We started more than four years ago with the goal to make a synthetic speech that would be uh, acceptable, that would go through Hollywood sound engineers, picky Hollywood sound engineers, and the uh, audience might have heard our work in The Mandalorian as the voice of young Luke Skywalker in um, 
as Vince Lombardi speech in the Super Bowl uh, in 2021. Uh, we also were credited in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, we did a project that just recently been an Emmy Award, but the project was delivered in 2019 in event of Moon Disaster, uh, where we made Richard Nixon say a speech that was written in case if moon landing goes wrong. Uh, so we, we seem to be the only speech synthesis technology that's, uh, that made it to Hollywood in terms of indistinguishable sound. Um, and we are really proud of that. So tell us, what was the inspiration for Respeecher? How did this come about? Yeah, it started as, as an idea in a hackathon. Hackathon is a, like IT competition. And it, it had place in Kyiv back in 2016 or 2015, quite a while ago. And uh, everyone picked um, some machine learning ideas in uh, applying them to video, to images, um, all, all those kind of stuff. And my co-founder, Dmitro, who is uh, a CTO at Respeecher, he picked an idea uh, of trying to make a very simple machine learning tool that would let convert one voice into another voice. And we won that hackathon. We started to play around with, an, with this idea. Then we started to talk to some industry folks. Uh, and we thought it would be cool to apply such technology for film production initially. And the response was, you guys need to work on quality because the quality uh, benchmark you would need to hit to get to a movie is quite high. And it's, it has never been achieved yet. Um, and there are plenty of technologies that mm, doing similar things in general, like text-to-speech, uh, but they're very different. So text-to-speech um, does not give you uh, ability to control your emotions. And it's also very limited to language models and vocabularies. And we understood that text-to-speech has those limitations that might be considered as holistic limitations for the industry, for high-quality content creation industry. So we thought that it's a right path to be focused on speech-to-speech. -speech. And then we spent several years playing with that as, um, as a pet project. Uh, and back in 2017, we met third co-founder Grant, who was playing around with uh, accent conversion. Uh, it's a technology that would enable to change accent or eliminate human accent. And those technologies are really close in terms of what should be under the hood. So we grouped together, we launched the company in 2018. And uh, in the end of 2018, we had the first prototype that was more or less legit in terms of quality, but still um, had plenty of room for improvements. Well, you're moving really fast. In that short time, you've already uh, won an Emmy Award. Uh, so congratulations for that. That's, that's very impressive. Um, let me ask you another question. You, you know, Respeecher can be used in so many areas of post-production. Where do you see yourself, uh, or where do you guys find yourself getting the most traction right now? Uh, in the high quality content creation industry, that would be film studios, TV studios, video games, animation projects. Uh, that's something that we delivered quite a lot of work in, but we validated a few more <clears throat> very interesting use cases uh, in other industries. 
So now we can do cross-lingual voice conversion and we start doing projects in dubbing and localization when you can enable a local actor sound like Tom Hanks in a local language, say in Spanish or German. Uh, we start applying our technology for some healthcare applications and that's very exciting for our team because we can fix, we can improve impaired speech and, and that's something very meaningful. Um, and in general, when we talk about use cases, they are all around uh, detaching a human from their voice. That means that uh, someone whose voice meets a very high demand could be scaled, so multiple people can speak in this particular voice, or someone who is a professional voice actor can uh, be not limited to the vocal timbre they own in a particular moment of their life, so they can scale themselves, they can speak in a variety of different voices. And we delivered quite a few projects when we had to do de-aging. That means that an actor who, who is, say, 70 right now uh, needs to speak in the voice that he had, say, 40 years ago. And, and that's impossible to do because voice is, is changing a lot. Um, with the technology, you, you are actually not limited to the voice you, you, you have right now. You can speak in the voice you had uh, some time ago. Wow. Can you give us some details about your first big projects or one of your first big projects? I know you obviously mentioned that you worked with Lucasfilm. Uh, can you just tell us how, how those came about? Um, I'm quite limited in terms of um, disclosing uh, the details of that particular corporation. But uh, I would say that the first big project we had was in 2019, uh, with this Emmy award-winning film. And that's an exciting project where uh, we worked with MIT and company that did visuals, Kenny AI. And the goal of the project was to bring awareness about what uh, synthetic media can do in terms of changing our understanding of history, creating alternative history. So the whole idea of the project was to make Richard Nixon say the speech that was written in case if Apollo 11, 11 mission goes wrong. Um, basically, if astronauts wouldn't come back uh, to the Earth, uh, they had a speech written. They had two speeches prepared. And it stayed in archives for years. And MIT created an amazing piece that uh, was actually presented not as just a short film, but more as an exhibition where you come into the room, you sit on an old coach, you watch uh, an old TV, uh, you see a lot of old advertisement pieces, and then you see Nixon appearing, and Nixon is saying this speech like uh, moon landing was disaster. Um, that was quite an inspiring project, and it's very very closely related to our ethics uh, vision. So part of our ethics is actually spending a lot of time, efforts and money on bringing more awareness about technologies of synthetic media being used for bad or malicious purposes. So impressive. I'd really like to see that piece. Is it available anywhere where our, our users can see it? Yeah, it's just moonlanding.org or in event of moon disaster, uh, it's available on YouTube and uh, they have their website and stuff. Okay, we'll check it out. We live in a world where deep fakes are becoming a much more common occurrence. How are you protecting the intellectual property rights of uh, owners and actors? Uh, tell us about that. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, since the very beginning of free speech, we built quite a strong ethics policy. And uh, we adjusted this ethic policy, but some keystones uh, remained from the very beginning. And it seems uh, many other companies in synthetic media uh, adopted uh, our core policies. So the, uh, the basic principle, we do not do work if you don't have permission from a target voice. The voice uh, our system is being used to impersonate. Um, and by permission, we mean a written permission uh, where a voice owner or um, their estate or relatives, if they passed away, um, release to a producer, to a studio, uh, saying that they're fine with them using this voice, synthesizing this voice for a particular piece or just for different pieces, depending on what would be the agreement between studio and voice owner. And that protects IP of voice owners because in order to get this agreement, in order to get this content and release, um, studio would need to negotiate uh, terms with uh, voice owners. Uh, another thing, uh, we do not um, allow uh, any deceptive uses of our technology. Um, and along with permission requirements, it's quite uh, quite a strong barrier uh, in order to protect our technology from misuse. But aside of that, uh, we do spend quite a lot of time on um, educating general society about synthetic media technologies. And I'm not using the word deepfake intentionally. I like synthetic media more just because deepfake has negative connotation. It always has negative connotation. And it's not right because technology itself is neutral. And uh, it's, it's just a thing that could be used for good and bad as many other things in our world. And uh, um, when we talk about green awareness, that means that people should know that this tool exists and this technology exists. It doesn't go anywhere. It would be used for bad purposes. It would fall in the hands of bad actors. But the good thing, um, it's nothing new with the technology. It's not very much different from Photoshop. And when Photoshop appeared, everyone thought that all the images on the internet would be porn images and all the images would be manipulated. And that that is not true. Uh, printing press has very similar uh, meaning uh, for influencing uh, the content. But in general, like rumors is the th same things. Uh, so when you say something that someone has not ever said it's it's a rumor it's wrong and we should just understand that there are new additional technologies that could um, mislead um, and we should consume the content in in a better way yes of course it's not the technology but what people do with it yeah another important thing we are doing for uh, protecting our technology from misuse is actually developing a watermark where we can uh, mark our content from any other content. So you would be able to tell with feature generated content from any other content. And now we are launching a new initiative with one of our big corporate partners. We will announce it soon on creating a detector of synthesized media. Um, and that is something that would be open sourced and we would encourage uh, big gatekeepers to use this detector in order to be able to tell synthesized content from 
other content from original content. So do you find yourself getting any resistance from uh, performers? Uh, we are not. Um, I mean, the thing is, our technology is reliant on performance because performers, because we do not have any control over performance in our uh, conversions. We basically change timber, but someone should deliver. And this delivery, it comes from professional voice actors. When we just started, they often mistreated our technology with something else, maybe with text-to-speech technologies. They thought we would take their jobs. But so far, time proven that no one else than human can do good acting. Machine cannot do good controllable acting in the way how director of the movie would want this acting to, to happen. And humans are essential. Um, and now we have a very interesting response from voice actors, for instance. They're using our tool to enhance themselves because they're not limited to the voice they have. They can take different jobs. They can take more jobs. If they're good performance, for performers, they can always have work. And they're being hired not because of the vocal timbre they have. They're being hired because of their acting skills. And that's something, something really cool. Right. So a good example of that uh, before synthetic media would be Deborah Winger's voice in the movie E.T., which was used as the basis of the performance, but then manipulated by the sound designers into something totally different, correct? I'm not familiar with this particular piece, uh, but yeah, it, it might be something something on that front. I mean, the technology like voice cloning or voice morphing, it existed for, for quite a while. Uh, the thing is, it was not that easy to develop a technology like ours where you would enable to change a timber to that extent that it would be indistinguishable. So it would sound exactly like a target voice. Tell us about the voice marketplace. How does someone use this? Oh yeah, I, I love voice marketplace. That's a product we launched previous year. And I mean, we always have been this wide glow service company. So we worked in big projects. Our technology has been always heavy because we traded off a lot of usability with the goal to achieve the most possible quality. And we had to operate with our technology ourselves. But previous year, we managed to rope this heavy technology into a self-serve tool. Uh, we called it Voice Marketplace. And the idea of the Voice Marketplace that a single performer um, can just use their voice to voice over very different characters in the piece they're making. And it was designed for small creators uh, where an animator or video game maker who is making their game in basement and cannot hire 20 voice actors can just voice over their piece themselves or hire just one voice actor and uh, make all the voices they need. For the voice marketplace, we created a library of voices. And actually those voices, they are being taken from people. Uh, we hired average people. Uh, we took them into the studio. We paid them money. We received a release from them. We anonymized them. And now they could be used copyright free as voices in our voice marketplace. Uh, but since we, uh, we were focused on um, small creators only, um, we did not expect that this thing would be appreciated by other types of users. And it seems that sound professionals also do like voice marketplace because they can use it for uh, post-production needs instead of loop groups or voila. 
when they just need to put one word in the mouth of this particular guy who is crossing the street and it could take quite a lot of time to get a voice of male of such age to uh, to voice over just just a word hello or something and now uh, sound sound designer can just do it themselves and then we went further and we understood that uh, sound professionals often have problems not with just voices but with other uh, sounds that could be driven by voice. And a good example would be dog barking. And we have dog barking in our voice marketplace. So if you try to bark, uh, you can convert it into a dog barking and it would sound natural. So it wouldn't sound like a human barking. And that's exciting because you can spend a lot of time on getting a particular dog barking in your movie with this crazy lip sync that needs to happen. And now you can just bark yourself and get it done. Like, like using a MIDI controller that would be your voice. And we are adding more sounds like this. So we should have chickens there. Uh, we have cats. Uh, we are looking into vehicle sounds that could be quite challenging to mix. Uh, we are looking into shots and explosions uh, that also could be driven by voice. Uh, and that becomes uh, quite quite an interesting idea and that that could be a very cool tool for sound professionals all around the world to simplify their work to make it more streamlined and and um, um, more interesting because creative more more creative exactly opens up a whole new world of creativity exactly and the third category of users we have not expected initially but they seem to like voice marketplace a lot would be voice actors uh, because as I say the this tool empowers them, it enhances them. They can use it for, uh, for scaling themselves. And now we are preparing some interesting case studies with voice actors where we can give them ability to speak with the voice they had some, some time ago, like we are doing right now with Engan Gutsa. We'll publish it soon. Exciting. So when do you feel you're going to be able to get this in the hands of people like sound designers and editors and assistant editors so they can utilize the tool to prepare a director's cut uh, or an editor's cut or a preview audience before the final ADR is done? Yeah, I mean, the main product, the main service Respeacher provides where you can introduce a particular voice to the system and drive this voice would not be available to general audience um, in foreseeable future for sure, because that's the way how we protect our technology. We need to work with studios. We need to be sure that permission is in place and stuff. But Voice Marketplace uh, is designed for such purposes. We started with uh, some pricing model that was, was quite basic. So we put just one price tag that would be $200 per month with no limits in the voice marketplace. And in uh, the next few months, we would have uh, different pricing tiers, uh, both higher and lower pricing tiers. So in cases where a sound designer would need just few minutes of conversion per week, uh, it would cost less. And in cases if a lot of conversions would need to happen or some additional features uh, that we are adding to the, the voice marketplace would be needed, it could cost more. Uh, so we are in the process of building it, this thing. We just got initial traction, we got initial response and feedback, 
and we are adjusting to the market and we are very open to to the feedback we appreciate it a lot uh, so if your audience would like to try our voice marketplace i am happy to extend their trial their free trial um, and uh, we, we'd love to hear your feedback on that so if an individual production let's say wanted to use the technology could they license it for uh, a month by month basis would you have to get it approved through a studio or something like that? Again, it depends on use case. If you need to introduce a particular voice, we would work with you as a studio. We would need to sign a contract. We would need to get permission. But if you just need a variety of voices and if you're fine with 50 or 60, we should have more than 60 voices right now on the voice marketplace. Uh, that, that would be more like generic voices. They do not belong to a particular uh, character, um, you can use it right away. It's it's just easy to register and, and start using it. Got it. Do you see this eliminating the need for loop group, for example? I don't, because in many cases, when uh, you put together a loop group, you couldn't eliminate that with respeacher. Uh, because when people are chatting with each other, they intersect in terms of their vocal uh, vocal tracks you record, you would still need a group uh, in, in the studio. But if you just need one guy or a few persons communicating very simply, and that is something short and easy, uh, you might not need to put loop group together. Um, and same for Walla. Well, this is such uh, amazing and exciting technology, Alex. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Obviously, I and uh, most people around the world admire your bravery and we thank you so much for taking the time to explain it to us today and please stay safe. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Thank you for having me.